Nathan and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. In our Brick by Brick series, we've been reading through the book of Nehemiah, so if you have a Bible with you, we're diving into chapter 4, where we read a man named Sanballat tries to prevent Nehemiah and the Israelites from rebuilding Jerusalem. What lies behind this story, and how does it apply to us today? Here's Pastor Brett with a closer look at Nehemiah chapter 4. Here we go. Brick by brick, the Lord is building his house. We've been in this series called Brick by Brick. We've been looking at Ezra and Nehemiah and uh, a theologian, George Van Pelt Campbell, he actually says that Ezra and Nehemiah are a scriptural manual for revival, that God is doing something. He's stirring something. I believe even right now, God is stirring something in you, that he's stirring something in our church across every location, at Glastonbury, in Glory Hills, and online. God is doing something, and he wants to do something not only in you, but he wants to do something through you. He wants to reach your community. He wants to reach your neighborhood. The reality is we all want to reach a city, but but nobody wants to reach their neighborhood. And so we have this incredible opportunity to rebuild, to rebuild our, our homes and our families, to rebuild our lives and our careers, to rebuild our church. We're in a rebuild mode. In Ezra and Nehemiah, God is stirring people to rebuild. And he says, there is a right way. There is a season. There is a process to rebuild. And when you do that, God is your provision. He is your supply. He's going to lead us and direct us, but he's asking us to rebuild our altars. He's asking us to come to a place of complete surrender where we take it personally, but we take it to the Lord and we take it on. In this next season as we prepare for reopen across the province and and Jesus is, is doing great things in our lives. I'm wondering what would happen if the people of God, if those who follow Jesus, who go the way of Jesus, who are followers of the way, I wonder what might happen if we would say, I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to open up my home. I'm going to open up my family. I'm going to open up my life. We're not just going to open up the province. We're going to open up our hearts and our lives so that anyone and everyone can discover the same hope in life that we have found. Proverbs 24, 3-4 says, Through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a good foundation. And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There is a process through skillful and godly wisdom, through both the natural and the spiritual. God wants to do something in the natural area of your life. He wants to do something in the spiritual area of your life. Uh, We could use the language in our souls, in our spirits. Jesus is leading us forward as we rebuild and reform our lives. This is, in fact, 
the greatest reformation of the church since Martin Luther. We get to be alive in this season. We get to be in the church in this season. We get to lean in in this season. We, we are a part of the people that God has chosen and says, we're gonna rebuild together. We're gonna rebuild on this timeless truth for everyday life. We're gonna rebuild trusting in Jesus, not trusting in what was, not trusting in a program, not trusting in an infrastructure or a facility. Though those are tools that he has placed in our hands, we are following Jesus one step at a time and he's leading us, he's guiding us, he's prompting us forward. As we look at the backdrop of Nehemiah, we are called to put our affection in the house of the Lord. First Chronicles 29, because I put my affection in the house of the Lord. Of the Lord. Nehemiah was moved with this love, this compassion, this grace, this need to rebuild. And God is calling you and He's calling me to rebuild in this season. Not in the way that was, but it's time for a new wineskin. You know, the first miracle that Jesus performed was wedding, uh, turning water into wine at a wedding. And the first parable that he ever shared was about new wine and new wineskin. You can't put uh, new wine into an old wineskin because it's going to burst because God's doing a new thing. Can I tell you, my friends, God is doing a new thing and he's already bursting the wineskins. The wineskins have been burst. They've been coming apart and he's doing something brand new in this season. The question for us is how do we get to be a part of it? And I believe even today he's speaking to you about how you can be a part of what comes next, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. But it's not just for us as individuals, it's for us as a house. And Nehemiah, after Nehemiah goes and he, and he sneaks into the ruins of uh, Jerusalem, he sneaks in there at nighttime so that nobody can see him because sometimes there's a dream that God's placed in your heart that's not ready for it to come out yet, that they don't get it yet. They don't have the eyes to see. He wanted to survey the land first before he heard uh, the, the comments, before he got the comment card, before he heard the mocking, before he got the email. He said, listen, I need to know that God's got a plan and a purpose for us and I'm gonna go look at it. And he goes into a place of broken and in the place of brokenness, what looks like pieces, he finds purpose and he sees that there's a plan and he sees that there's a destiny. For some of you, there's a season that you're stepping into where you're gonna see things and to everybody else, it looks like brokenness. But in this season, in this season, Jesus says to you, that when others see pieces, you see promise, you see purpose, that you're actually bringing hope and life and freedom into the lives of, of everybody that's around you. Now in Nehemiah, he does that. He proclaims this bold vision. We're going to rebuild and there's voices of opposition and we're going to get to that in a moment and they keep coming because anytime you're moving things forward, every time you're advancing the kingdom forward, every time you're making a big step forward in your personal life, at church, uh, in your family, Family, there's always going to be a pushback. There's always a pushback before there is a breakthrough. Oftentimes, many of us stop at the pushback when you need to push through. Come on, don't stop at the pushback when you need to push through. Now, I want to show you my favorite, favorite, favorite chapter in the book of Nehemiah. 
It's Nehemiah chapter 3, and you're going to be like, I okay, why is it your favorite? You're going to see this in a second. It says this, uh, Then Eliashab, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated and set up its doors, building the walls as far as the Tower of 100, which they dedicate, and the Tower of Henael. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Emery. And the fish gate was built by Hassaniah, and they laid beams, set up its doors, and saw its bolts and bars, and Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall, and beside them. So it goes on and on and on and on. We skip down to verse uh, 14, the dung gate. Come on, somebody, just be thankful you didn't get called to rebuild the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malachijah, son of Rechab, the leader of Beth Hakarem district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and then he installed some bolts and doors. And it goes on and on and on as families and people from different backgrounds and different places, all with one dream, with one vision to rebuild. They had different skill sets. They had different ideologies. Priests stood beside masons who stood beside uh, artisans who stood beside craftsmen who stood beside uh, tradespeople. And each person did they, what they could. And they were all went to a different section. They had a different section. They had something different to rebuild in a different location. And God used each person in their own way to rebuild a portion of the wall. It didn't matter where they came from. Each person had a responsibility. Each person took it seriously. Each person took it up. And some were able to do more. And others managed their corners. And others helped the others catch up. And they rebuilt this wall. We built this city. <laughs> and then it transitions in Nehemiah 4.1. It says, Sanballat, was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. This was, this is what happened. He flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think that they can build the wall in a single day by offering a few sacrifices? Do they think they can actually make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that to buy the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked that stone wall would collapse if even a, a fox walked along the top of it. So there comes this pushback before the breakthrough where each person, you know what the greatest breakthrough that they experienced here is that it didn't matter what people came from, what family they came from, what their income level was, what their household was, it didn't matter. They said, you know what, I'm gonna take it on. I'm gonna rebuild this city of God, which is representative of hope and a promise. That's the season we're in. That's the season we're in right now, where Jesus is calling us to rebuild his house in this season, to create a place where anyone and everyone can come experience the power and presence of Jesus. Why? Why are we doing it? Why are we rebuilding? Why are we standing in this gap? Why are we taking up the mantle? Why? Because God called you for such a time as this. He called you and he qualified you because he says, as long as you're called, you're qualified. You might not think that you're significant. You might not think that anything, that you have anything to offer, but let me ask you this question. What's in your hand? What's in your heart? And what area could you rebuild? I mean, let's be honest. Church, 
isn't going to look the way that it looked before. It can't. Before wasn't better for everybody. We have an opportunity to reshape and reframe, not because we willed it or desired it, but because we walked through a global pandemic and Jesus said, I didn't didn't infuse this, I didn't instill it, but I'm going to use it for my glory. And in this next season, we get to make a choice. We make a decision that says, you know what? I'm here for this time. I'm here for this season. I'm here for a reason. I'm going to build. I'm not just going to build for me. I'm going to build for the generations. I'm going to build for the next generation. I'm going to have a generational mindset. You know, in 1 Chronicles 29, David discovers that he is disqualified from building the tabernacle of the Lord. Why? Because he did the things that God asked him to do. There are dreams in your heart. There are things that are deep inside of you that you think are for you, but God is using you to set up the next generation and you will find more fulfillment in seeing it accomplished. And you might not even see it in this earthly lifetime, but seeing it accomplished, then you carrying it out by your own hand. What are you rebuilding? And can we all agree? We're so thankful that Jesus set us free and we're going to do anything and everything we can so that anyone and everyone can discover the same hope in life that we have found. We don't get together just to get together. We gather together to lift up the name of Jesus that people could encounter him in a real way. Come on, we just don't log in on a Sunday to get some some encouragement so we can go on with our week. We we gather in this place to be stirred. Our Our souls are stirred and we lean into the plans and purposes that God has. Now, did you notice this? I want to show you something. I'm going to show you something. Are you ready for this? So they get this, they get these words of discouragement that comes from those that are pushing back on them. In in Nehemiah 4 verse 6, it says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. There was a passion in their work. They were passionate about the work of their hands. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and Ammonites and Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Why were they furious? They were furious because they were making progress. They were furious because they they weren't succeeding in shutting them down. They were furious because they were doing something that they thought was impossible. They were furious because God was moving it forward. There are voices of opposition that would rise up against you that are furious. They are furious that God is moving forward. They're furious that you're finding freedom. They're furious that God is using you to rebuild the church instead of somebody else uh, using another uh, fear and manipulation to do it. They're furious about it. But God says, hey, trust me, I got a plan. I've got a purpose. But catch this. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Get this, verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. Mm. They said the workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Did you catch it? The very complaint that they made was the whisper and the accusation of the enemy. It says they got tired. Why? Because the accusations of the enemy are emotionally exhausting. 
when you let them lead you. And so the people got exhausted that started to suck away their passion. They were so productive. They moved forward. They were rebuilding. And all of a sudden, those words start to creep in. They start to creep in. Those complaints that come out are oftentimes a regurgitation of the words and the voice of the accuser that has come in your life. If you find yourself in a season of complaint, I wonder what you're listening to because what goes in will always come out. This is what Nehemiah did the first time that, that accuser came. In verse 4, they prayed. And they prayed again in verse 9. Each time the accusation came, they prayed. This is what he prayed. Then I pray, hear us, God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves be, uh, become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Don't blot out their sins, for they've provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Come on, we are the builders, and we are being provoked in this season by people who said, you know what? God can't do something there. He can't do something through you. He can't use you. Can I tell you, those are lies of the mocker, and what do we do? We take them straight to Jesus. Otherwise, they become the complaint of our hearts. And we don't have a spirit of accusation. We come up against the accuser. And we say, Jesus has a plan and a purpose here because I can see a promise in the pieces. I can see a purpose in the pieces. And so he prayed. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that we know of their plans, we knew of their plans to come and fight us. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to work on the wall. Now get this, when Nehemiah prayed, he prayed that it would return on them. What were they believing for? What was the voice of accusation? What were they setting out to do? They were, they were setting out for them to be confused, for them to be delayed. They were setting out for them to reevaluate their worth. They were, they were setting out for there just to be this, this, this exhaustion and this tiredness and this, this frustration that would come on them, thinking that they could never accomplish the things that God had for them. And what came upon the enemies? They were frustrated. You know, in my house, we got a lot of like Thomas the Tank Engine people. And Mr. my son, Mr. Kingston, he loves Thomas the Tank Engine. And what do they say on Thomas Tank Engine all the time? You're like, I don't know why this is applicable. Trust me, you're going to love it. Uh, when there's a problem, he says, oh, you've been causing confusion and delay. As if that's the worst thing that could happen. But what does the enemy try and do? What does the accuser try and do? He tries, to, he tries to cause confusion and delay that you can't accomplish what God has for you. But today when we take it to the Lord in prayer, we take it personally and we take it on. We give it to the Lord. Every voice of the accuser, we take it, we surrender it to the Lord and we give it back to him. And he actually comes into that situation and he will return it to them. That which they have sowed into you, they will reap literally what they so, and oftentimes, though, these are not people. This is a spirit. It's a whisper. It's, it's the voice of Satan himself speaking into people's ears. So this is what they did. After they realized that they didn't have to be afraid of these mockers anymore, they just started to get prepared. They said, hold on. From This is what we're going to do. Half of the men are going to work. Half are going to stand guard with spears and shields and bows and coats of mail. Come on, we put on the whole armor of God because we know that we're in a battle. We're in a fight. We're in the fight of our lives. 
And he says, the laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting a load and a hammer and the other one supporting a weapon. They had a hammer and they had a sword and they were going to go to work and they were going to take care of business if it was required. We're in a rebuild season. Jesus asks you today, come on, what's in your hand? In one hand, what's the thing that you're going to rebuild? What's the area that you're going to invest in? Are you going to start to dream again? Would you believe that God's got a plan and a purpose for our church? And not only that, he's got a plan and a purpose for you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your family and if we build his house we know that his house builds our house come on with that hammer in your hand what area is he calling you to rebuild it could be something really big it can be something small maybe it's your devotional life you need to rebuild that maybe you haven't read the bible in 15 months for yourself you open it on sundays if prompted And then on the other hand, what are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? Who are you ready to defend? We're ready to take some ground to see people's lives transformed and saved, but only, only when the saints come marching in with a hammer ready to rebuild and with a sword. He says this, Verse 19, the work's very spread out. They're spread out across the city. We're widely separated from each other along the line. And that's how we are. He says, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. My friends, Jesus is fighting for you. He's fighting for your family. He's fighting for your household. He's fighting for your heart, your whole heart. He's building his church. He's fighting for his church. And he wants to build it and he wants to build it on you and he wants to build it through you because we are the church and piece by piece, brick by brick, Jesus is building his house. So can I ask you this question? What are you building? What area are you rebuilding? What's in your heart? What's in your hand? Maybe we ask it another way. If Jesus is building it brick by brick, what's your brick? What's your brick? And this is not going to be a good idea. This is going to be a God idea. Even right now. Would you just take a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are right now? I believe Jesus wants to speak to you and he wants to start speaking to you about that brick, what he's got for you. What's your brick? I believe even right now that that he wants to lead you to move to another level, to a deeper level of commitment to his house and to him personally. So for some of us, he's starting to speak to us and said, listen, your brick, your brick is that you need to serve the house, that you need to serve on a team, that it's time for you to volunteer. It's not about doing part or or holding a door or running a camera. What it's about is about creating an atmosphere and a space and a place that anyone can encounter Jesus. You just might be the friendly face that's required that turns somebody that says, you know what? I feel loved here. I believe that there's many of us today that would say our brick is we're going to join a team. Some would say our brick in this next season is we're not only going to be in a group, but we're going to lead a group and we're going to dive into the word of God. And we're not just going to take the knowledge, but we're going to build our lives on this. Still others of us would say, you know what? 
I, I, I've been coming and I believe the scripture and I know God is working in my life, but I've never given. I have, I have not tithed because I, th- I trust my ability to take care of me more than I trust Jesus. And, and that 90% seems scary to me, that 90% that we would have to live on after we give our 10%. Maybe God is calling some of us to even give for the very first time, to say for this next year, for this next season, as we rebuild the house, would you consider making that investment? And it's investment in lives. It's investment in the same uh, power that saw you transform the power of Jesus Christ to create that space and a place. I believe for some of us, even he's calling us to a life of over and above. Maybe you've had no problem giving 10%. Maybe this for you, it's about, he's saying, hey, it's time. I I need you to give 12% this year. God is doing something. What's in your hand? It's gonna be different for all of us. What's your brick? Maybe you're online. You're like, how can I be a part? Maybe you just need to start running these chats. Maybe you just need to make start people feeling connected. Maybe your role in your space is, is seeing those faces and those names, those little icons popping up and, and just sending out a message and sending out an email and speaking life and hope. You know what we need more of in the house? People who speak life and hope. You know what we need less of in the house? People who are regurgitating the accusations of the enemies that comes out in a complaint. What we need is hope. What we need is life. What we need is freedom, and Jesus is building his church brick by brick. What is your brick? What's your brick? What does Jesus want to do through you and your life, in you, around you, through you, in this season? Come on. Service may be over, but I can tell you church is just getting started. Maybe you, you're watching this today and, and you're not certain exactly how you got here. Let me just speak to you for a moment. Um, not only does God want to build his church and build my life and the life of those in this community, but he's got an incredible plan and a purpose for you. He's got dreams for you. He's got a destiny for you. Did you know that it's not possible for a human to live up to our full capacity or to our full potential without Jesus? Because we were handcrafted. He put us together in our mother's womb. He describes us as his masterpiece. And there is gold inside of you that only Jesus can get out of you. He wants to develop you. He wants to transform you. You might be born this way, but he's asking you to be born again so he can unlock this next season. He's going to walk with you through the difficulty and the struggle. I'm here to tell you today, he didn't inflict it on you. He didn't put it on you, but he's going to walk with you through it. He's going to transform you. He's going to protect you. He's going to redirect you. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you. It's bigger than you have for yourself. He loves you more than you love you. He, he believes in you more than you believe in you. And he's got a family that you could be a part of. Thanks for joining us today. If you would say, hey, there's something inside of me that's just yearning for more. I want to let you know that that's just Jesus tapping you on a shoulder. And you might be far from God right now. You might have been a church kid and you know about God, but you don't have a personal relationship with him. Or you might have heard things. You're just searching for yourself, maybe for the first time in your lifetime. Today's a day that you could start a relationship with Jesus, draw a line in the sand, and you could really truly hold the hand of the one who holds the world. So if that's you, I want you to get out your phone. If you're watching on a phone, pause it and come back. And I want you to text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, 
to 587-400-2010. I want you to text that word Jesus to 587-400-2010. Today you could make a decision. You could say, this is my starting point. It's like you're in a, in a race. It's your starting point. Jesus is just getting started. He wants to have a relationship with you. Did you know that today you could hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world? If that's you, if you want to make that choice today, if you texted that number, I want to pray with you. Just I'm going to say a prayer. You're like, I don't know how to pray. I'll say it and you say it right after me and then we're just going to celebrate you. Bible says all of heaven throws down in a massive party when even one person makes a decision to start their relationship with Jesus. So if that's you, Come on, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I need you now more than ever. So I give you everything. My wins, my losses, my sins and my successes. It's all yours. Forgive me of my sins for going my own way. From this moment forward, I'm trusting you with my whole heart and I'm following you one step at a time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 What is my brick? What is God asking me to bring to the table? If you're like me, you'll be pondering this all week. What an awesome, challenging word from Pastor Brett. We have all of our Brick by Brick sermons uploaded, so if you haven't already, be sure to check those out, as well as other sermon series, all right here on the Saints Church Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.